Merry Christmas and welcome to the Butts and the Seas podcast, where we look at the downfall of WCW on a somewhat weekly basis, pay-per-view build to pay-per-view. We're on a, it's an odd schedule, but we'll figure it out. We're figuring it out as we go. We're putting out two episodes in one week, two Christmas episodes. Although, Would you call the last one Christmas episode? Well, we're going to put it out the week of Christmas, so is it a Christmas episode? <laughs> this is more of a Christmas episode. This one does have Santa Claus on exactly. it. Exactly. I'm your host, Nick, joined by Emily. Hello. How's your Christmas week going? It's not bad so far. We got some snow, so that was nice. Almost, it like was like a week early, but it was like nice to pretend that it might be a white Christmas. <laughs> what is the best television Christmas special? To me, it's probably Year Without a Santa Claus. Okay. I like that one a lot. Number one. I think so. Well, what's your number one? I'd say How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh, I should have known that answer. We've been going back and rewatching all the like classic Christmas specials. Yeah, we, we made it halfway through uh, Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July, and Emily was like, I need to finish watching WCW. Like, oh, okay. It's an hour and 45 minute movie. What? Frosty and Rudolph do not need an hour 45. <laughs> Well, they also do the retelling of, like, two of the previous specials. It's not even, it's not retelling as much as it is reconning. You mean retconning? Retconning, yep. But yeah, like, he put this on as soon as I got home from work, and I was like, I got, I got matches to watch, dude. And he's like, ah, we can watch this first. Like, no, it's two hours. Yeah, I think we looked and we were an hour and five minutes in, like, all right. We need to be done. (laughs) It's not good. There's a reason most of you, I'm sure, have not heard of it. It apparently was very slightly theatrically released. I find that hard to believe. I mean, I don't know how widely theatrically released <laughs> it was, but it was in theaters at one point. That could mean for like a day or one showing, so. I think it was slightly more than that. I'm going based off the Wikipedia article, so. Oh, and the internet's always right. Now, how do you feel about uh, Santa's sleigh? I feel like this is a trick question. Why are you asking me about Santa's sleigh? I, I'm talking about the movie. We haven't watched that movie. No, we have not. It is a 2005 kind of Christmas like slasher. Oh, slasher. that kind of sleigh. <laughs> Starring a Mr. Bill Goldberg. Uh, oh, we <laughs> talked about this. No, we have not. Have we not? No. I feel like I've heard about this. <laughs> We've never talked about it. Put it that way. Santa Claus is actually a demon who lost a bet with an angel, so he becomes like, the giver of toys and happiness. But when the bet is off, he returns to his evil ways. So Goldberg is Santa, but evil Santa? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Can you name another uh, wrestler who has played Santa in a movie? Oh, in a movie? I'm going to guess Mick Foley. I don't know if he has. There's one in my mind. Is it fucking Kevin Nash? No. <laughs> I don't know. The one I was looking for was The Giant is in Jingle All the Way. Oh, God. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'm pretty sure the kid, I'll have to double check this. I think the kid is the kid who is in Friends and Big Daddy. Cole Sprouse? (laughs) Yes, Cole Sprouse. (laughs) You cite Big Daddy before you cite Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. (laughs) Or Riverdale. Like, this boy is known. (laughs) Oh, no. (gasps) I was wrong. It's not Cole Sprouse. How could I forget? Who is it? It's Jake Lloyd. Who's Jake Lloyd? And baby Anakin Skywalker. Oh, is he a person and his name is Anakin? Yes. Oh my god. I forgot it's Jake Lloyd. It's not Cole Sprouse. (laughs) That makes more sense, honestly. Like, how old is the kid in Jingle All the Way? Uh, 
I don't remember. Because, like, Dylan and Cole Sprouse started being, like, actor-actors when they were, like, ten. I mean, he's around that age, considering... Well, I'm saying, like, Disney snatched him up around that age, and they would not have been able to do anything else. Jingle All the Way is three years before Phantom Menace, so... In reality, he was, like, seven. Okay. I mean, that, that tracks. I'm a person, and my name is Anakin. Wait, that was three years before Phantom Menace? Yes. So he's ten years old in Star Wars? Yeah, I think he's supposed to be nine in Star Wars, so... Oh, you're right. That's he looks like he's about six. Yeah, but he's also hitting on Padme. Though he's just nine and she's 14, yeah, he's probably gonna marry her someday. Fun fact, the only thing I knew about the prequels for Star Wars all came from the Weird Al Saga Begins song. Yeah, until we watched them, like, last year. Yeah, and during the watch of it, I was singing the lyrics that matched up with the, the parts of the movie that we were watching. Listeners may not realize it, but I have to edit out a lot of singing during <laughs> these episodes. Yeah, when he told me that he was editing out all of my little singing breaks, I got not a little all sad. all of them, but, you know, I shave off like 15 minutes an episode, it feels like. Just, I'll say a phrase and then there'll be either one line or ten lines of a song that follow. I'm just trying to bring some joy to the podcast. We have no joy with what we're watching. I'm trying to make it fun. You're talking about this was totally joyous. Tis and the this season. Was, this was totally not extremely worse than the other two weeks oh i wouldn't say this is extremely worse i'd say this is on par oh i thought oh i thought this was pretty on par that's I thought, sad <laughs> i thought this was worse than the last two I weeks of nitro think, i thought last week's nitro was really good exactly i thought last week you know part, i think that part, episode was the outlier this is the par yeah i think part one of this build you know I'd say I think part one of this build was pretty good, but then when I had to go back and listen and edit, I'm like, oh god, I hate all of this. <laughs> what I did find interesting is I, I just watched these episodes. We both watched them last night, and then I finished watching it this afternoon. I forgot that this was a build to Starcade until you just said it now, and that says a lot. Yeah. So let's get into it with the December 7th, 1998 WCW Monday Nitro from the Houston Astrodome, Ooh. which I found somewhat interesting because that's where WrestleMania 17 is. And they're like, oh, we have a new like attendance record for here. And I'm like, no, you don't. I know. Well, I know that ends up. Bra- oh, that's later on. So yeah. you do for now. Yes. <laughs> it will be destroyed in just a few short years or really long years, depending which programming you're watching. Yeah. <laughs> So Mike Tanay apparently posted up outside the meeting of the championship committee. Yes, it was a closed door meeting. I'm sure they would have told them, you know. Basically, Mike posted outside the meeting of the championship committee to hear what was going to happen with Goldberg and Bam Bam Bigelow. Mm -hmm. Because Goldberg wants a match with Bam Bam, but he has one signed to Kevin Nash. So I guess he can't wrestle anybody? It's an ongoing thing for this episode. That I thought it was Goldberg has Kevin Nash at Starcade. Yes. Can't wrestle anybody else till then. Yeah, but I, that doesn't make sense. Well, you can only wrestle Kevin Nash until Starcade. That also doesn't make sense. But you're right. As I'm saying that, that makes absolutely no, he no just, sense. No, he's going to wrestle Kevin Nash. Like, he can't... The way it was described previously was he can't have a title match. Okay, many of that makes sense. Because that's signed as a title match. Which I'm like, fine. But then... 
Kevin Nash has a big fucking bee in his bonnet and is like, oh, you, I'm not going to let you wrestle at all. It's like, okay. Even though I'm pretty sure, one, the number went up from previous weeks. Two, he wrestled. It was before the contract signing, but he has wrestled someone who is not Kevin Nash in between last pay-per-view and, and Starcade. Yeah. But, backtracking. I, I have a lot to say about Goldberg in, in these few episodes that we watched. But backtracking, Mike Tanay posted up outside this fucking meeting. Why? I'm they. I'm sure they were not going to leave everybody in the dark like, oh, hey, we booked this match, but um, we didn't tell anybody, including the wrestlers. He wanted to know the juicy goss. That yeah. hot goss. So he found out it's going to be Goldberg versus Bam Bam Bigelow tonight in a non-title match. Yes. And Bam Bam is still unsigned? Apparently? They make some sort of line about that where like they make like an exemption kind of thing. I yeah, don't I don't know. Did you? I think you missed it, but they were talking about how tough Goldberg is for like wanting to take on all comers. And Larry Zabisco says, our champion is worth his weight in Goldberg. Ew, I did miss that. Oh, that's disappointing that I missed that. Yeah, it was really lame. <laughs> yeah, it was very lame. But I didn't hear you make any noise, so, so I was I like, I'm like, she missed it. <laughs> After that, we get uh, Scott Steiner doing a face turn in Emily's eyes. This is the only, the first and only time that I have ever loved Scott Steiner with my entire heart. He beat up Wildcat Willie, which is why. So, like, a few episodes ago, we saw this stupid little mascot thing, like, on the ramp. Like, on the side I of the ramp. I saw him at Halloween Havoc. Maybe it was Halloween Havoc. Yeah, because I assumed he was... He looks not terribly similar, but they were in Phoenix, and the Phoenix Suns have a gorilla mascot. Oh. So, I was like, maybe this is a previous iteration of that. And then he showed up on, like, Nitro the next night, and I went, they're not still in Phoenix. Yeah, like, they never mentioned this thing, and it just kept appearing on, like, the sides of the ramp. So I started hating it. I'm like, this thing is so ugly and creepy and stupid, and they're not doing anything with it. It's not on camera, so what's the point of it? And Scott Steiner beat it up. And I'm very happy with that. Scott Steiner face turned. Scott Steiner face turned to me. (laughs) Turned his face toward me and said, Emily, this is for you. Yeah, so that was earlier in the night, but then he comes out, like, first thing. Mm -hmm. And he has the ref with him. Still no Buff Bagwell. That's okay. He runs down Texas a bunch, and he does the uh, only two things come out of Texas line. He also thro- is sure to throw in a, another jab at Roddy Piper. I guess that will yeah. eventually pay off in some way. Maybe. Or they'll forget about it. Uh, either way. <laughs> For all we know, Scott Snyder's shooting. Yeah. I also don't get the vibe that they script these promos. So that's why I feel like it might not get a payoff. He also includes a little bit of his usual I'm the best at sex kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't want to have sex with this man. Like I said before, I'm afraid that he would pop. Big pop a pump. He's your hookup. Holler if you hear me. No. He's also the big bad booty daddy. So he talks about Hogan and says that they're like brothers and just kind of rambles. Yeah, he was like Hogan or something along the lines of... I don't remember the exact word, but it was something along the lines of, like, Hogan said that Scott Steiner was the only one that could fill his shoes. He's the only one that he could trust in this position as, like, the leader of the NWO. Something yeah, like it, that. Like, I was hoping for a fun, rambly Scott Steiner promo. This was this just... This was just rambly. Yeah. Though he does mention that on Thunder, he left Scott Hall lying, and he challenges Hall to a match again, and also says he's going to break Hall's leg. I'm going to break your leg, brother. And that's the segment. 
Yeah, there wasn't like I I find myself zoning out in a lot of these promo segments because they're not saying anything, and what they are saying, they're not saying with conviction. Yeah. Like, I mean, give it. I'll give it to like WWE, WWF. They train their their people well. Like they they could be. I don't give. I don't care what Triple H says most of the time, but he says it in a way that I'm like, I want to listen. It also feels like with almost all these promos, especially with the NWO ones. Everybody has their their shtick. So if it's a five minute promo, for like three and a half minutes of it is the same thing they do mm-hmm. every week or some variation of it, and then it's ninety seconds of exposition. Like who's that one guy in the LWO that Conan? Conan, yeah, he just comes out and even, speaks Spanish for a few even, minutes. Even Kevin Ash does, you know, just kind of panders for a little bit and then. Hey yo, I'm gonna beat up Goldberg. I know that's Scott Hall, yeah. but even he's been he's been doing a couple of them too. So. Our first match of the night, <laughs> I I put on and you gave me a look. I'm like, no, we're watching this one. I don't know why we had to, but <laughs> it was Norman Smiley versus Prince Iakea, which is, we watch is because it's going to be a match at Starcade. But why? I don't know. <laughs> I was hoping, uh, again, I stupidly hope for some sort of backstory or some sort of reason why these two are fighting. And because they're not at the top of the card... Who cares? I'm also pretty sure both of these guys are faces. Norman Smiley might be... He's a little dancey. He might be a heel, but he got cheered when he came out. Like, I didn't get the vibe of him being, like, a massive heel. But I didn't get the vibe that Iakea did either. No, that's what I'm saying. I think it's face for face. Because, spoilers, Norman Smiley just wins clean here. There is a moment where Prince Iakea hits, like, a top rope splash, and Smiley kicks out, and the crowd literally doesn't react. There was one point, like, we've talked about how much we dislike dance gimmicks. Like, you and I, I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast. I know I've talked about how much I hate the spin rooney But there was one point where Iakea does, like, a kick and Norman Smiley catches his leg. And before he does anything with the leg, he, like, kind of does his little, like, dance around the leg. Yeah, I mean, Smiley's entire offense in this is... Hit a move, dance. Hit a move, dance. Yeah. Counter something, dance. But this is such an... A common counter to like to do like you catch his leg you, sw- you swing and hit him with the other leg S- when he stopped and like did a little dance on the one leg i'm like what are you doing you're you're asking for it how do you feel about norman smiley's general look of like not having knee pads just like the guys in like the boots and and the trunks and just the undies i don't i don't think he even had elbow pads or anything no, like that either it's just like a you look real naked i really didn't like it this is one of those outfits like even if you don't want to wear pads you need to wear pants then because there's too much skin to the the skin to fabric ratio is way off in norman smiley and like that's why i think it's i think i'm honing in on that's why i'm okay with it for people like triple h because like he does the undies and the boots and like it's not my favorite look but he's got the elbow pads and the wrist tape and that kind of stuff so like there's more fabric to skin ratio there. the knee pads also play a big factor yes there. yes that's like the illusion of pants almost yeah cody rhodes used to do that and it used to drive me nuts <laughs> I, I used to swear that it was a group of randy orton ted dibiase jr and cody rhodes mm. and i'm like cody's going nowhere he needs some fucking knee pads <laughs> <laughs> i firmly believe that the leggings slash pants whatever you want to call them is a much better look across the board so norman's smiley Gets the win with like a cross-faced chicken wing kind of move. <laughs> and Prince Iakea taps out. This is also virtually the same finish as their match in two weeks. Nothing happens after the bell. Events no. before the bell. 
It's very clean. It's a clean finish. I don't know why they're wrestling at Stargate again. So next out, we have Mean Gene. Mean Woo by God Gene. Doing something unprecedented. He throws to a clip from Thunder. Holy shit, they're oh giving a recap. Oh my god, is this a recap? Are we going to get some backstory? In the recap, it's a whole LWO kind of interview. Eddie wants Hoovy to face Kidman, but WCW decided that they're going to do Hoovy versus Ray on the next week's Thunder to kind of decide who's going to face Kidman at Stargate. Good recap, because I was very confused. After, between this episode and the next episode, I was not following this whole trajectory. Yeah. So back at Nitro, Eddie calls Ray selfish, and he quotes Star Trek. Did you catch this? Oh, uh, it was like the want of the singular, the the needs of the many outweigh the want of the, the few, something like that. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of one. The needs of one, yes. That's Star Trek? They say the few in Star Trek. But... Oh, okay. I don't watch Star Trek. <laughs> it's it's popularized in Star Trek. Maybe that's a, a general phrase, but that that is a a Spock Rathacon kind of line. For the greater good. No, that's that's uh, Hot Fuzz. No, that's Harry Potter. Mm. Hot Fuzz happened before the the. Uh... In the timeline, though, Crimes of Grindelwald happened first. No. Yes. <laughs> I reject your... You're your... telling me that Hot Fuzz happened before 1920? I'm saying they're not in the same universe. I I'm disagree. saying the movie of Hot Fuzz came out before any of the Fantastic Beasts. Everything is in the same universe. So Eddie then books Silver King versus Ray. And we're pretty sure Silver King is uh, this guy from last week. Yeah, when um, when Gene did not know that guy's name. Like, and this guy. <laughs> we ended up skipping that match because yeah. there was nothing... Nothing on the line there, and it didn't seem all that appealing. Yeah. It was good to get the backstory, though. That's helpful. So we go backstage, and Goldberg is arriving. Nash shows up, and he's mad that it's going to be Goldberg versus Bigelow. Bam, bam. And he just guarantees the match won't happen. Yeah, it's just a lot of parking lot smack talk. Real generic, real nothing. Kevin Nash comes out a bit later. He's looking real just annoyed slash tired. He did look tired. And yeah, it was here. I'm like, why can Goldberg not wrestle anybody in non-title matches? Because like, reasons. Like your title match is signed. Like I get that, but I bet it's like a, a cockiness thing. Like no one gets to him before I get to him. Yeah, but like he wrestled the giant. I know the, the, the Nitro after World War Three. I'm not saying what he's uh. saying is accurate. <laughs> so he inserts himself into. The main event, he says it's now a three-way dance, mm-hmm. which is a specific type of match. A three-way dances? Yes. I was trying to note how they were going to do this, because around this time, triple threat matches still really aren't as much of a thing. Oh. Because WWE would do just triple threats, you know, first fall wins. Mm-hmm. ECW would usually do three-way dances, which is an elimination match. Okay. Also around this time, WWE's Fatal 4 matches are two people in the ring and then two people have to like tag in. But it's not, it's not a tag team match. Like, oh. Only one person can win. So you can tag anybody else. It, it's, oh. a weir- it's weird. It, it doesn't work. It does not make sense. So I was kind of curious what the hell the rules were going to be going into the main event. We'll get there. Well, it, it's different. We'll put it that way. <laughs> so Mean Gene is back out to interview Ric Flair. Who once again does not do the thing. 
No, we get no mean Wu Baigon Jean in this one or the next one. However, and, like, Flair does crank it up to 11, and I'm just going to play the whole promo here. Oh, my God. Because I can't. Oh, Lord! Woo! I'm To be humble in Houston, Texas tonight! Woo! Bishop! Wherever you are! Get off your girlfriend, get off your treadmill, and hear the nature boy tonight. Because, pal, your dictatorship is about to come to an end. Woo! You're a man that hates history. This City, Houston, Texas, Paul Bosch. Terry and Dory Funk, the Briscoes, Harley Race, Dick Murdoch, Dirty Dusty Rhodes, Jose Lothario. You know what? They all bled a gallon and sweat five gallons to get you, you jack off the job you have. And then along comes a Texan like Steve Mongo McMichael. And you, like with the crippler, Dean Malenko, the enforcer, and me spent two years, two years trying to bottle it, plug it, hold it down. Guess what? At Starcade, I would have. I'm gonna choke you. I'm gonna gouge your eyes. I'm gonna kick you. You know where. I'm gonna. I'm gonna chop you. I'm gonna squeeze that skinny neck until the blood runs down us, your nostrils, your eyes pop out, and you say, Oh Lord, I respect you, Rick Flair. Oh, Bishop! Oh, God, it'll be like going to your funeral worldwide. We're going to, we're going to, in one night, we're going to take your paycheck. We're going to take your job. We're going to take your life. We're going to take your dignity. And we're going to take back the greatest sport in the wrestling in the world. Professional wrestling. That's why WCW is bigger than Bischoff will ever be. Woo! So yeah, made me want to see the match. He was fucking wild. I don't know if his wildness was supposed to feed into next week as well, or if just separately. That he was just fired up for this promo. 
Honestly, I don't know. The stuff that he was saying in the promo was like weirdly violent, but then it would end like, I'm going to hit you until you say, oh Lord, I respect you, Ric Flair. Is that all this is for? Is for respect? Yeah. I mean, his whole thing like, is about... you want to pop his eyes out until he yeah. says, I respect you. What? It's all about respect, tradition, all that jazz. <sighs> he goes, like, here and in other promos, he just just names everybody who seems to have ever wrestled. Yeah. But good promo. Yeah. You, I mean... You heard it, so... It it definitely, like, showed a different side of Ric Flair, to, to me, at least. If we were doing an MVP of the build, I'd give it to Ric Flair. Oh, God, yeah. So next up, we have the previously mentioned Scott Hall versus Scott Steiner. And then when Scott Hall comes out, like, they play the NWO music for a second and then cut it and he walks out in silence. Yeah, I don't know what happened with that. Yeah. It, that seemed like they were ready for Steiner to come out rather than playing his theme. Maybe. But, yeah, it's still weird that Hall has no music. Yeah, and he stays not having music for a while. When he's cutting his promo, he calls him Scotty Steiner, which just <laughs> takes a little bit of the uh, mystique out of it. It's kind of it's kind of like when you call Goldberg Bill. It just <laughs> makes him more of a person. Scott Steiner is big scary. Scotty Steiner, not so much. I want to like ruffle Scotty Steiner's hair. <laughs> Does it make you think of Scotty too hotty? A little bit. Yeah. So Steiner does not have the ref out with him when he comes out. And immediately asks Hall, like, where's the ref? Hall points to the <laughs> ramp, and the ref is, like, duct-taped. Yeah, he's, like, Although fully duct-taped. Although has the whistle in his mouth still. Yeah. So he's, like, bouncing all duct-taped up, and at every bounce, he's, like, blowing the whistle. It's just, it's very silly. Very stupid. So WCW ref Mickey J comes down to ref the match. And pretty quickly, Stevie Ray, Vincent, and Horace come down and just beat up Hall. Was this a no-DQ match? No, they just it was ended in a no contest. Ugh. Because fucking wh- everybody came yeah. into the ring. Because while, while that happened, Steiner like chased off the ref. Because yeah. Luger and Conan then come down to help out Hall. Yeah, because cause Wolfpack, right? Hall's not part of the Wolfpack. Then why did Luger and Conan come down? Just because they're feuding with the NWO. I don't know. Yeah, it did seem weird that they came out to help Hall, and that wasn't. I just assumed that it wasn't was really like, oh, addressed. Cool. Yeah, I mean, because he's friendly with Kevin Nash now. I don't know. It's all relative, because once they're down, then the giant comes down, and then he f- fights them off. But he comes down. I should say he fights them off because he comes down once the NWO Black and White are already back in control. Like, I honestly the, forgot that the giant even appeared in this because he was so nothing. Yeah, Wolfpack comes down. They like even the odds. Then Black and White, you know, starts beating them down again. And while they're beating them down, the giant comes out. And I'm like, they don't really need you here, bud. They yeah. seem to have handled it. Because then DDP comes out with a chair and he fights off everybody. Of course. And they announced, or they noted at least, that it would be DDP versus the giant at Starcade. Which, Why? giant cost ddp the u.s title and it's uh based on a later promo it sounded like ddp had a choice of the giant or uh bret hart and i guess he felt like he could actually be the giant also i don't know if they they probably know it by now uh the giant is leaving soon and so they probably want to get ddp a win okay would be my guess maybe i honestly think i did a little research to find when certain people's last appearance are his is like 
early January. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Soon. I did like the um, ponytail and hat look for DDP. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Not my favorite. I'm also just kind of used to short hair DDP. So. Yeah, you're used to it. Yeah. I liked it. I thought it looked good. I don't know when he gets that, but he'll eventually have that. Does he have it in WCW? Yes. Because I know he does in the fucking invasion. When he's the, when he's the uh, stalker. Ugh. So next up, we have what seems to be a weekly event at this point. Mean Gene interviewing Bret Hart. It's the same every week. Yeah. There might be a little bit of a nugget of difference. None of them are bad. Eh. They're forgettable. I have no idea what was said here. I did like immediately Hart puts his arm around Gene. And Gene's like, don't get too friendly. <laughs> don't get too close now. Hart says that DDP is a coward for not fighting him and choosing to fight the giant. Which I'm like, okay. Sure. So while he's talking, somebody throws something in the ring and Brett's like, they're throwing that at Eugene. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't gotten over that there's a lot of trash throwing in WCW. Yeah. It's just built in at this point. Yeah, it's just, it's strange. Did you like Bret Hart giving a shout out to his cat? Did he? Yeah, he said he knew it was going to be a good week because uh, his cat, Smokey, jumped in his arms. And he's like, he's my only fan right now. Aww. Bret Hart Smokey. face turned too. Smokey. <laughs> so they they shouted out Wrestling with Shadows, that documentary? Yes. What was that? You, I've actually shown you bits of that. That is a, it was a documentary that they filmed for about a year. It was just Bret Hart's return to WWF in 96, and he, they followed him for, you know, a while. And they had actually wrapped filming, but Bret reportedly, there's different versions of this, whether or not it was, this was their last day or he asked him to come back. But they were documenting, you know, Bret Hart and his general career at Montreal in Survivor Series 97. Oh, they're promoing that. I've I've seen that whole documentary. It's a bit messy in terms of legality of Vince not wanting to give them rights, but then he did as long as Turner couldn't air it. It's a little messy, a little too much to get into right now. So next up, we get what I thought was going to be Bam Bam Bigelow versus Kevin Nash versus Goldberg. There's four minutes to the end of the show when they start this. Classic then, Goldberg fashion. And then Michael Buffer talks for about a minute. Yeah. And then once he's done, there's less than three minutes left in the show. Bam Bam like runs to the ring. Oh yeah, he books it. And Buffer still gives him the whole introduction. Then Kevin Nash runs the ring, doesn't get an introduction. Then Goldberg runs the ring, although he's backstage and he high fives a... Yeah, he's running, but he like high fives a guy who's waiting. High fives Roger Clemens. Yeah. Sports. Who, yeah, is a uh, famous baseball pitcher. Okay. So, Goldberg gets in the ring. As soon as he gets in the ring, the referee is calling for the bell. And the bell just keeps ringing. And I'm like, what Well, no, because it, it was as soon as Goldberg got in the ring, he started beating up Kevin Nash. Yes. Nash and not then hit, he called for the ring. Yes. Nash does not hit him. He only hits Nash. Yes. Then security comes in to break it up and the fans boo. So, my reasoning for why this happened very well maybe incorrect it seemed logical to me so i think that what happened was when kevin nash announced to be a three-way dance sort of match whatever um 
that was not, you know, actually sanctioned. So it was still a one-on-one match, but Kevin Nash was just, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to crash it. Because when Goldberg ran in, he didn't go for Bam Bam. He immediately went for Kevin Nash. That negated the whole match. And that made it a, a DQ. Okay, your logic fell apart a little there at the end. That was my Him going for Kevin answer. Nash. If if he hits Bam Bam, then him and Kevin Nash are both hitting Bam Bam. Then it's definitely... Well, because the match was Goldberg versus Bam Bam. If he comes yeah. in and hits Bam Bam, he's doing his match. He's not doing something else. I'm saying, what if he was just trying to clear Kevin Nash from the ring? But he obviously wasn't. The match, well, Goldberg versus Bam Bam can't happen if Kevin Nash is in there beating up Bam Bam. Yeah, but it's, Goldberg didn't come in and like pull them apart. He beat the shit out of them. Yeah, it's it's stupid. It's They don't explain it at any fucking point. I mm. mean, yeah, the, the fact that... It probably wasn't actually a three-way dance. Seems the most logical. Commentators don't tell that story. Nash does note in the promo earlier, he's like, I guarantee that match like won't happen. But then, because he guarantees it won't, won't happen, but then puts himself in the match. I'm like, which one is it? But also, it's interesting, because like, no one really tried to stop Nash from getting into the no. ring. At all. No, security runs in once Goldberg's in there. Yeah. So if... If Kevin Nash wasn't supposed to be there and he had already said, I'm going to sabotage this match, why wouldn't you have security there ready to, like, stop him? Huh? Yeah, if only, like, one of these men had previously kept trying to get involved in matches and security had been taking him out. And so we kind of had a sense of a response time. Oh, wait a minute. No. This was shit. It pissed me off. Yeah, it was pretty dumb. And I think we we tried we tried too hard to make, to make that work. We did. Because like, we had to watch the ending twice because we're like, what the hell happened? Yeah. So there was no match. Blah. Let's just move on. Okay. Uh, yeah. This, Can... I don't think that that just generally not being a great episode. The, the, the Flair promo was good. And honestly, I don't think I can recommend anything else on that episode. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely not a lot. I do feel like we kind of skipped around that episode a lot. So it felt like it didn't feel like we were watching that for hours on end which was nice so we decided to skip the thunder in between which i thought was good you thought was bad but we'll get to the match in which that really it only mattered mm. for one match we'll yeah. get to that because the first thing we hit is a mean gene interview with eric bischoff yes yeah he's still wearing leather here the later he doesn't in a three yes off. yeah but bischoff says that he's deeply rooted in the millennium and he's the future while flair's the past he's history Basically call him an old. He also says that he's a trained killer. He spent oh. seven years training. He's a dangerous man. Wait, Ric Flair is or Bischoff is? Bischoff is. He I missed that. Yeah. But he he has some sort of martial arts background. I think we've talked about background, that. But just, just because you tr- you've studied martial arts does not mean you're a trained killer. You tell me the kids in the karate studio down the street getting their little blue belts are trained killers? They could beat you up. I mean, probably, but, like, a leaf falling off the tree could beat me up. You need to work on that, then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I am weak. I am small. So he, I guess I w- wish I actually wrote down, but he talks up each one of his fists, and he's like, this one hits hard. This one. Oh, I'm scared of this one. Yeah, he's scared of his own <laughs> fist. What? <laughs> what have I done? Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, Bishop talking is just scary because he gets that, like, psychopath's um, smile. And it's just like, 
very unsettling. I don't get that. Oh, I get that a lot. So while he's talking, Ric Flair runs out and Bischoff's trying to keep his distance. Like, all right, you're on that side of the ring. I'm going to say on the total opposite side. Mm -hmm. And then Flair just chases him and he almost catches him on the ramp. Yeah, he has to like slow himself down a little bit. And then, and then Flair like, goes back to the ring, and I guess now he, it's like, a Ric Flair back interview. And like does his whole little walk down the ramp. It's like okay, now it's Ric Flair. He uh, also enters the ring holding two four horsemen signs, but then just drops oh, the them. posters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just drops them before even like acknowledging them, because he doesn't hold them like horsemen sign yeah. out. He holds those and like he's like what looking the fuck at them for himself. He cuts another impassioned promo on tradition and history, and it wasn't as good as the week before. And no. He did note that they're in Tampa, where they like wrestling. Nowhere else likes wrestling. Only Tampa. I forget if it it was here or the next one. I think it was the next one where he, uh, he like, swears on Bruiser Brody, who is dead at this point, that he's going to oh. kill Bischoff. I'm like, mm, That's not quite okay. Because here he says that he's going to strangle Bischoff half to death, mm-hmm. and he's going to rip out Bischoff's heart through his throat to prove he has no heart. This is what I mean with like the weird violence. Wait, weird on, I, violence. Think, think about that. Yeah, I'm no, going to pull your you. heart out to show people you don't have a heart. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense to me. Sure. Related to hearts, Rick then has a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, he does like a whole flippy sort of spastic thing around the ring. And then he like collapses. And, you know, in the the classic like... Anything you watch on TV, if the man clutches his arm, he's having a heart attack. Yeah, because prior to this, he is just attacking the WCW logo in the center ring, like dropping oh, elbows yeah. on it, dropping knees. He, he does like a flip around the rope and like yeah. slams on it. I'm like, what are you doing? He's just losing his mind. So yeah, they, they do a whole fake heart attack angle. Which I really don't like. I find that really insensitive. Yeah, and the like, fact that they like continue and carry it on throughout this whole episode, yeah. I find and really like, insensitive. Oh my god, even, even Dusty Rhodes came out. Like, this is serious. It's really insensitive. Yeah, but apparently it's not that serious because he gets stretchered out. And in like, the middle of him being put in the ambulance, they just cut to Scott Hall telling Bam Bam Bigelow to suck it. Like as the isn't it like as the ambulance is like pulling away, they're all like. I don't think it's even the... left yet. Oh, I think God. they're like still closing the doors. There's just like a random brawl that breaks out in the garage. Yeah, Nash arrives to challenge Bigelow. Like once once security's already gotten everything sorted, Nash's like, oh, now I'll come in. And it's like, of course. And in case you forgot what year it is, this whole brawl happens in front of two vending machines. One advertising Powerade. One advertising surge. Powerade's still around, by the way. I'm I gotta tell you that. It, I have not seen a Powerade vending machine in a very long time. Fair. It's usually just with like a, in, in like a, a Coke machine at this point. Yeah, but like a full vending machine dedicated to the advertisement of Powerade. When was the last time you saw a Gatorade one? I don't know. Because even then, I feel like I, I feel like it, it's Pepsi machines. Yeah, but the surge made me laugh. But like, I will give it to I will give it to WCW that like the angle with. Ric Flair and Eric Bischoff, like, Eric Bischoff obviously antagonizing Ric Flair and all that stuff. That makes me really excited for their match. Like, I am excited to see Ric Flair beat the shit out of Eric Bischoff. Yeah, it, it's definitely a weird meta-narrative going on with it as well. That, we, you know, we're, considering where we jumped in, we're missing a little bit of, um, like, he talks about it in the in the next promo, which 
we'll talk about a little bit more when we get there. But there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that, frankly, if you're just watching week to week, you may not, you know, necessarily know the whole story of them. Yeah. But in the backstage, Goldberg then arrives and he goes through security and it's still holding everybody back. And it's nobody's. Nobody's hitting anybody. Like I, I'm getting no. real. I'm getting real and annoyed and tired of the security holding everybody back before it, nothing happens Mm-mm. to cause these things. It's just like, oh my, oh my god, they're within six feet of each other. Fucking COVID rules. COVID rules. <laughs> get back. But no, no. It's it's like the playground rules of like you know you get into a little like cat fight with your friends and you're like. Ooh, hold my earrings, you know, hold me back. You're lucky that they're holding me back because if they weren't, you know, I'd, I'd beat your ass. You know, that kind of stuff. So Terry Taylor is trying to gain control of the situation. Who You were like, who is this? I have no it's idea. I still don't know who Terry Taylor is. I'm he's, sorry. He's a wrestler. He was the uh, the Red Rooster at one point. That helps. That really narrows it down. But they know <laughs> he is on the championship committee. Okay. Because he then books a three-way dance, triple threat. I forget what the... That was a triple threat, but they say... He books that match. Goldberg versus Kevin Nash versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Okay. So that match is going to happen. And it's going to be legal. Yes. There won't be some stupid DQ. Right? Right? (laughs) Speaking of stupid, weird DQs, next up we have... Well, first off, we just have them moving on from the heart attack. Oh, yeah. Just move on. They They move on, but then they linger... Like, their brains linger on it for, like, the rest of the show. Yeah, we get about 30 updates from commentary during other matches about, you know, the status of Ric Flair. Like, you don't know what he, what's happening. He's got into an ambulance and went to a hospital. You don't have an update? I've had a family member have a heart attack. You don't get an update for hours. We get Mean Gene interviewing Kidman. And so Kidman was supposed to face the winner of Ray versus Hoovy. Which was supposed to, which happened at, at Thunder. Mm-hmm. He was going to face the winner of that match at Starcade. Mm-hmm. That match ended in apparently a no contest when the LWO ran in, which won. I guess we didn't watch it. I'm like, why does Ray not just win by DQ? Mm-hmm. I don't understand why the, the, they rule those no contests and not DQs when some, when the entire group runs down and beats somebody down. I don't know. Yeah. The grand point is that nobody won the match, so there's no set match at Starcade yet. Mm-hmm. So in the interview with me and Gene, Kidman then offers Ray a title match on, on the spot. Right. Which you had issue with. It rubbed me weird because like Hooventude doesn't get the same opportunity. Because they both had equal opportunity on that Thunder episode. Like if Hoovy won, he got to face Kidman for a chance at the belt. If Ray won, he got to face Kidman for a chance at the belt. It was equal opportunity. Yes, but the chance was going to be at Starcade. If sure. That- this isn't Starcade. But Ray still gets the chance without having beaten Hooventude. I think actually probably the best way to describe it is we talked about the championship committee. Yeah. Championship committee would have made that match. This match is just Kidman going, I want to face Ray Mysterio and I'm willing to put the title on the line. I still don't think that's fair, They're but like him, I understand Letting the... him book his own match. I mean, yeah. I don't really think that's all that fair. And I think it's fine because it's not like... Kidman had a match with Hoovy. It's like, no, I want to face Ray instead. You know what I mean? It's. I mean, that's fair. I guess. As much as I love Ray Mysterio and I love Billy Kidman, I I just don't think this match was fair. Well, in the interest of fairness, they did say 
hey, we're going to have no LWO interference. Bullshit. Yeah, I was like... That's never going to happen. I'm like, Ray, buddy, I don't... You have literally... You are the bottom rung in terms of having pull and respect in that group. At this point, I'm not sure, but I think... If I had to, like, guess, I think that the LWO has had more experiences than the NWO. Maybe. Oh, this is also when Ray comes out to a different theme. Yeah, and it does not slap. No? No. If you were going to ask me, let me tell you right now, that does not slap. I hated it. I want to go back. And But he's back to the LWO theme next week, so I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know, know what was up happening. with that. Everybody has weird music these few couple episodes. So we get to the actual match starting, and the commentator's are like, is this a title match? And I think like five minutes later, like, oh, it is. It's a title match. Yeah. Even though that was that was very clearly established. Yes. Most of the time it's not. This time it was. So the fact that they are confused about it this time but weren't confused about it the half a dozen other times where it's not established. <laughs> That's just dumb. These commentators these commentators pissed me off in this round of episodes. Yeah, they 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 apologize for this like oh we're we're a little little uh, rattled from the Ric Flair you know angle. Which also pissed me off. <laughs> Because they weren't rattled when they were establishing this match between Kidman and um, and Rey Mysterio. They weren't rattled just before this match. They were only rattled when they were obviously not paying attention and hadn't been talking for a few seconds. So production was in their ear like, you got to talk, fucking so say something. They weren't rattled. They weren't paying attention. I hate these commentators. I was paying attention, right? Uh... You were. They weren't. It's not your job to pay attention. Ray hits a, like, roll rolling up the body Hurricane Rana and t- ends up tossing Kidman over the top rope. To which, the commentators note that he lands right in front of Wade Boggs. Oh, yes. Which I did not know. I knew the name, but I didn't know who it was. Where have you seen Wade Boggs before? I'm going to guess sports. You would be wrong. I don't know when you would have. I mean, he, obviously, he is from sports. He's from baseball. Okay. He uh, he played for a bunch of teams. He would I think he would have been playing for the Tampa Bay Rays around this point, considering they're in Tampa. Mm. I know he played for them for a little while, but uh, was he on WWF TV at one point? No, I don't know. You have seen him in "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. From the episode "The Gang Beats Boggs." Yes. Which, even funnier, that episode they're trying to get to seventy or seventy-one beers. Beers, yeah, on the plate. Do you know why it's that number? Is that like how many home runs he's hit? That's how many home runs the record was for a long time, which was broken by Mark McGuire, oh, who they have a quote-unquote segment with in the next episode. Interesting. So, weird uh, connectivity See, there. I knew, I, I knew the name Wade Boggs from somewhere. He also uh, he also appears in the episode as well. It, it, it isn't just the legend of him. He, uh, he shows up as like a hallucination of... Oh, in the uh, Always Sunny episode. Yeah. Not in... No, he doesn't show up as a hallucination in WCW. I was like, wow, that is... I, did I fall asleep? Did I no, something? No, Char- Charlie, like, passes out after uh, having, you know, a whole chicken and a rum and coke after having, like, 30 beers. Oh, yeah. Which, if that's not you, I don't know. <laughs> 30 beers, though? And then a whole chicken and a rum and coke? Yeah, that's you, babe. <laughs> so, Kidman catches Ray midair with a uh, dropkick. We have seen this match somewhat recently, so not a lot of the spots felt terribly. No, it was it was pretty generic. Like I've seen this before. Nothing it was still new. good, although. Ooh, I, you didn't seem as concerned as I was. Ray hit uh, hits like a corner springboard moonsault, and Kidman's supposed to catch him, but he's a little too far back. It almost drops Ray right Ooh. on his fucking head. Yeah, I guess I just I heard you react, and I was like, I don't know what I just missed. We get a. 
interesting move. Like, Ray's doing a lot of moves I have not seen him do before, or really anybody do, because there's one where Kidman's sitting on the top rope and Ray is out in the apron and springboards into the ring and hits like a bulldog on him from the top rope. Like, he has a good moveset in this early part of his career. He also hits a Bronco Buster, and I was like, that actually looked sore the way you did it. It didn't, you know, it's not like Xbox, and then rub my dick in your face. Don't speak that name on this podcast. (laughs) Anyway. Ray then hits a top rope to split leg moonsault kind of move, where he's, like, standing on top rope, and he's, you know, facing backwards, and he drops and, like, bounces off the top ropes Mm -hmm. and hits a moonsault. Kind of a Rob Van Dam kind of move. He also goes for a flying senton, but misses. Kidman then hits a slam and a top rope splash for a two count. See, like, we're talking about all these cool moves that these guys are doing and, like, new innovative stuff. The commentary's not talking about them. They're talking about fucking Ric Flair. Yeah, I also, I've noticed that for the uh, Cruiserweight pouches, I have a lot more detailed notes than, like, well, yeah, Prince Iakea versus Norman Smiley. More interesting shit's happening. This is why I like the Cruiserweight titles. It's more flippy and fun. So then Kidman then hits a crossbody to the outside and a vaulting leg drop back into the ring. And then the LWO runs in. Uh, of course they do. Obviously. Of fucking course they do. Ray and Kidman then fight off the LWO. And then it's real weird here because Kidman leaves. Yeah, he just hops out of the ring, walks like halfway up the ramp. Well, he, when he leaves, he sees the LWO come back in and start to beat down Ray. Yeah. And then he comes back. Yeah, so he walks away, sees all this happening, walks away, and then all of a sudden he's back on the apron jumping in trying to defend. Yeah, and they didn't try to tell, they didn't show any sort of sense of, oh, you know, I'm not as, I'm not actually his partner, I'm gonna just, you know, it's not, it's not my business, oh, I'm a good guy, I should help him. It's just like, you're just awkwardly leaving and you're like, oh, okay, there there they are. To me, Oh, I should go back. It read as like an almost botch. Like he forgot that what his spot was. Yeah. And he's like, oh, shit, right, I'm supposed to be helping right. Fuck, let me get back there. I did like Eddie just laying across the top oh, rope yeah. in the corner just while lounging. the LWO beats him, beats him up. See, that's a good look from close up. The second you pull far away, it looks really awkward. Oh, I, I think it's fine far away, too. Oh, I liked it close up. I didn't like it far away. So Eddie goes up top for a frog splash, but in the middle of him going up to the top rope, they just cut away to, to show replays from the match. So we never actually see the land? They show it as the last replay in slow motion, and I'm just like... But why? <laughs> like, tell me who's on the production team of fucking like, WCW. He was very, like, Eddie's finisher is the frog splash. I'm like, oh, he's going to jump on both of them. And then they just cut away. I went, okay. Never mind. Guess not. Not a bad match. I mean, it, it was... It was standard you, Kidman... You, you knew you knew the LWO was going to run in, oh, so... And yeah. the second they were like, no LWO interference. Like, a fucking course they're going to interfere. Yeah. It, you're kind of just looking, waiting for that. Yeah. But the other match was better, but this still wasn't bad. No, it was fine. Like I said, it's it's standard Mysterio Kidman. Ray continues to impress me. Oh, God, yeah. Next up, we have Jericho and Ralph is coming out for a segment that really should have been the week before. Yes. Because we skipped him wrestling Bobby Duncan. So he comes out in very bright tights, which almost don't look like his. They look almost too bright for that. <laughs> they look almost rocker-esque. I like Not, them. They're like bright, like kind of baby yeah. blue. Oh, just just for, I mean, by rocker-esque, I mean like the team, the rockers, not rocker, like rock and roll. Oh, I did not get that. I thought you meant rock and roll. He also comes out in cowboy boots that don't reach all the way up to the tights. 
So there's just a weird bit of tell. calf. I thought that his tights were rolled up a little bit. Maybe a, maybe a little, but it just, there was a little bit of calf there. It was strange. It was a very strange outfit. He also has a whiteboard with him, for which for a second I thought was like, you know, like the signs that you would like kind of have around a department store? Oh, like, you know, sale, 30% off sort of thing? Yeah. I thought it was like something like that. Like he had something on the back he was going to reveal, like some sort of poster. Yeah. And then he started dr- drawing it. I'm like, oh, it's a whiteboard. Okay. Yeah. It's a very small little rolly whiteboard. Yeah. But like, what did he draw on it? He, he like doodled nothing. He does call himself 235 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. I mean, yeah. I was happy that he did note that when he lost the title to Conan, that Conan did, you know, use the belt to win. Yes. So he presented it in three pieces of evidence I, of like how no, he lost to Conan. I think it was more than, I, I count more than three. Oh, I only, I have two pieces of paper. Five. It's exhibit A through E. He also says that Conan assassinated his title reign. And with the quote, he might as well have been standing on the grassy knoll. Yeah, what? So Jericho then brings out a fake Conan who I, I'm pretty sure was white. I don't know who that guy was. He was short. He was white. He was not Conan. He should, he could have brought out Ralphus and it would have done the same sort of idea. Yeah, Ralphus is just there. <laughs> Ralphus doesn't help at all. He just I love Ralphus. He, he's just set deck. <laughs> so he claims Conan used brass knuckles. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I remember that match. I don't think he did. No, he did not. And then he's like, he also used a steel chain. I'm like, oh, no, 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 never mind. He's fucking with him. <laughs> it's like, and then he used a shovel. And I'm like, yeah, he definitely, uh, I think I remember this at this point. Yeah. And then exhibit E was the belt. So exhibit A was fake Conan. Yes. Exhibit B was the brass knuckles. C was the chain. D was the shovel. E was the belt. Yes. Jericho also claims that he got to the rope as well as Conan cheating. Oh, yeah. To, like, break it? Yes. Yeah. No, so no. not only did Conan cheat, but the pin shouldn't have counted because he was in the ropes. Both hands were on it, and he pulled his, like, upper body yeah. <laughs> under it. Making all kinds of excuses. But at Starcade, he's going to face Conan again. Okay. And then he puts fake Conan in the Lion Tamer. And that's pretty much the end of the segment. Yeah, makes him tap out in the line tamer. I don't know how I felt about this, because it was very ridiculous. It was ridiculous, and that's why I liked it. It's ridiculous, stupid Jericho, and that's yeah, my yeah. favorite Jer- kind of Jericho. Jericho would make any of these work. It's just yeah. a matter of him, like, if you, if you had, like, Scott Hall doing this, I think it would have been real. If Scott Hall did it, I wouldn't like it. Yeah. Because if Scott Hall did it, I feel like he would have taken it a lot more, like, seriously. Yeah, well, I'm saying, like, I think who, who would have cut this promo is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm like, I could see Hogan being, like, all this happened. But uh, by the way, I also did win. Like, no, you didn't. Right. No, I, no, I won. Brother. I won. You, you just weren't watching. You didn't see it. Following that, we have the next weekly Mean Gene interview with Bret Hart. Mean Woo Bag on Gene? Nope. That's not that one. Though he does ask Hart about Flair. <laughs> Bret Hart, you know, with the tact. Oh, they're dropping like flies out here, aren't they, Gene? <laughs> He also is back to being hurt. He didn't mention, I don't remember him mentioning anything about an injury the previous week, but now he's like. But now he's like, I battled through a groin injury. I got a groin pull. Which reminded me that none of us have groins. No. None of you have groins. He does say that he's fair and he's a true champion, so he challenges DDP to a title match, even though he's injured. DDP then comes out, and I'm like, something's going to happen here. I was I was guessing he's going to be like, yeah, you can have your title match in like four weeks. Right. When I'm but, healed. 
but DDP comes out, and I think he's, like, two steps down yeah. the ramp, and all of a sudden, like, jump scare giant in a <laughs> fucking steel chair. And Bret Hart feigns surprise. And... Yeah, I said that he uh, embodied that Pikachu meme where he's just, like, s- staring open mouth, like, what? How could this have happened? So giant... I had no idea. So the giant then removes one of the wc's from the like the two wcw logos on the ramp i think it's just the w yeah he was the c as well okay and for some reason behind this there's just this weird wood panel which with i assume some you know cushion down below because the giant then choke slams ddp through this that sounded real crunchy it did and it DDP did not take any favor, not any favors taking that bump. No. I'm, I'm hoping it was Cushion because he takes it like on his hip and like his like Ooh. his face kind of goes through like part of the wood. I'm like ah, but, yeah, but, better, look... better than the wood going through his face. True, it may have splinters. Yeah, it did not look cozy, and he just like sunk in. There was absolutely no give to the wood. It was just like crash right through. Yep, just continuing to set up uh, Giant versus DDP at Starcade. I'm curious to see that because Giant is just an odd person to watch matches for. Because we know who he becomes, it's very hard to watch him and take him seriously right now. What do you mean, who he becomes? What, you, what, what do you like, like specifically? Like, what are you thinking of? That... <laughs> just the big show. Like, he had a whole stint of like a character arc, basically, where he came out in different um, like costumes, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. I also wouldn't call that a character arc. Well, a character moment, I guess I should say. It was a few weeks. It was a few different weeks, and he came out in different costumes. I was like, I don't, I don't see you as a serious wrestler. You know, I just realized what we can do tonight. Oh, God. The Big Show Show Christmas Special. Let's go. <laughs> oh, no. She's into it now. Abort. You brought this up a few nights ago. As in, like, as if it would be, like... The worst thing that I could ever see. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not against it. I feel like this would hurt you more than it'll hurt me. Because I kind of want to watch that show. Well, now I'm not interested. <laughs> like, when that show was announced, I was like, I want to watch it. And we watched one episode. And Nick was like, no, we're not watching this. Like, well, I want to watch it. You can watch it on your own time. No, I can't. Because if I, if you catch me watching it, you'll give me endless shit. Yes. So next up, we have Eric Bischoff coming out and, and upsetting a tire for you. So, you know, I've called Eric Bischoff, Leather Daddy Bischoff, like, since the conception of this podcast. Yes. Every week he comes out in a leather jacket. hmm For this segment, he came out wearing glasses and a gray pullover sweater and jeans. I don't know this man. I don't know who he is, where he came from. He well, is not my leather daddy. Well, don't you see, they're trying to treat this like a shoot. Like, oh, he's not even coming out as Eric Bischoff. He's coming out as... Eric. Yeah. Rick's friend. Eric the Bischoff. <laughs> I will give him to him, though. Like, he did look very convincingly, you know, worried and sad in this segment. Yeah. His acting is not bad. Yeah. it it It's a shame. They literally just, like, don't mention this at all next week. Yeah, they really don't. Yeah. Just more continuing to try to pretend that this is a shoot heart attack. They're really, they're dedicating a lot of time to that. Because even like in, like the next interview is Mean Gene interviewing Booker T. And the first thing is like, you know, get well soon, Rick. Right. I forgot that I did actually have a, um, what Eric Bischoff looks like when he's coming down the ring. 
He looks like your parents, like your dad, taking you to Chuck E. Cheese to tell you that he and your mother are getting a divorce. That's what he looks like. So when Booker D comes out, Gene does introduce him as one of the all-time greats. And I'm like... Yeah, hum? I don't think that's earned at, at, at this point in the timeline. Absolutely not. At, yeah, at this point, definitely not. We could talk about it for 2020, but 1998, no, 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 no. So Gene asks him about his brother joining the NWO, mm-hmm. and Booker T's like, yeah, I mean, I'm fine with that. I was gone, you know? He did his own thing. Cool. I thought he was like, I don't agree with it, but he's allowed to do what he wants. Yeah, more For the less. most part. Yeah. So Stevie Ray then comes out and is mad at Booker T. Yeah, for why? I was not following that. He says Because? Yeah, Booker T got hurt, and so it's kind of... It's a little bit of heel logic of it's your fault we're not a team. Mm. So Stevie Ray also says the people in the North Tower don't give a damn about you. And both of us look at each other like, oh, God. I just Yeah, we had to pause and stop and look at each other. And we're like, it's 1998, right? So we looked in just to see if this was a 9-11 thing. <laughs> it can't have been. It's, it's 1998. It's not. There's uh, the CNN Center. And, like, they, WCW has offices in the North Tower. In the CNN Center in Atlanta? Yeah, because they're they're part of Turner, so they're all yeah, owned by Yeah, I didn't know there was a North and a South Tower there. Apparently. Damn. But, like, if you say the people in the North Tower don't give a damn about you three years from this point, very different meaning. <laughs> I thought for a split second it was talking about WWE because they have, like, Titan mm-hmm. Towers and they're, you know, the company up North, but... Yeah, that was. I was been... just like, I'm like, this can't be what we think it is. No. And like, I even started thinking about it. Like, I know there was an attack on the North Tower, the North Twin Tower in 1994. And I was like, there wasn't a, like a Turner TNT office in that building, was there? Like, that was also four years ago at this point. I like, think you were stretching a little bit far. I was on that trying one. to see if I could find it because to me, the North Tower is a 9 11 thing or a World Trade Center thing, I guess. I was not even thinking about it. The CNN headquarters, yeah. (laughs) That was just such a bizarre moment for us when we were watching. We're like, hold on, what's happening? Yeah, just trying to get out of this. (laughs) Stevie Ray also says that he's responsible for everything good in Booker's life, and he offers Booker an NWO shirt. Gene asks what uh, Booker makes of it, and Booker says he doesn't know. I was intrigued by this. I'm glad we didn't get a firm answer. I'm like, all right, let's see where this uh, ends up. Yeah, because he hasn't been, like, vocally anti-NWO or vocally for NWO. No, he's had... He had issues with with, with Scott Hall. Yeah. Which kind of got dropped. They had one match which resulted in, like, a DQ. And that's it. Yeah. So, we'll see where that goes. I am intrigued. If it goes anywhere. Color me intrigued. So, we ended up skipping the matches that happened before this, but... Scott Steiner calls out uh, Lex Luger, and it's Scott and Buff Bagwell's back. I'm so happy. I noted that this was probably a setup, but it actually didn't seem to be. They kind of just offer him a chance to be in NWO Black and White. So as much as I hate Buff Bagwell, he I'm actually so glad you do. He actually raised a good point in in this promo because while they're trying to get Luger to join, they're like, "Hey." Like, you're kind of the odd man out in the wolf pack. Like, Conan's doing his uh, music videos. Haven't seen any of those. Hmm. Sting's go off doing stuff. Doesn't seem to be offering you anything. I think with Nash, it was that Nash getting title shots. Yeah. But they do note that 
Nash threw Luger out of the ring at World War Three, and that's true. But also, like, think about the people that are in the NWO. There's like. 70 people in the NWO and like three of them are getting any kind of movement title well, shots. Yeah. So when they make their offer, they make it in the way of offering Lex a NWO t-shirt, mm. which we noted appeared to be about the size of a kid's XL. <laughs> yeah, it was real small. Like this shirt would have fit me and I am small. Yeah. Luger just walks away and kind of laughs to himself. Which like, even if he was considering the offer, seeing the size of that t-shirt, if he had taken that, and they'd be like, put your shirt on, man, be part of this. Like, he would have destroyed the shirt. He would have ripped it up. <laughs> he would have busted out of it Hulk style. So we'd only watched that segment because when we went to the bookmark for the main event, it was so fucking quiet in the oh, arena. It oh, was, okay, yes. I it was real weird. It was weird. It, it felt like something, like, big, bad happened right before. Like, somebody got injured or something again. It's not like they, like, told the crowd, like, oh, yeah, Ric Flair died. Exactly, yeah. So we backed up and we're like, what happened? And nothing. Nothing happened. So, yeah, we have Bam Bam Bigelow versus Kevin Nash versus Goldberg in a triangle match is what they call it. Yeah. I'd like to note that they have nine whole minutes from the start of this segment to the end of the show. Yeah, Goldberg appears with seven minutes left. I was like, oh, my God. We got a real match here, guys. So Bam Bam blindsides Goldberg and Nash just kind of watches the start. Mm-hmm. Goldberg thrust kicks Bigelow and goes for the pin, but Nash finally gets involved by breaking up the pin. The uh, Nash then hits knees and back elbows to Goldberg in the corner. Just kind of the usual Kevin Nash offense. Yeah. Until Bam Bam just joins them and they beat down Goldberg together. Yeah. Goldberg double clotheslines them and they both roll to the outside. I noted that, like, they didn't really explain the rules. So, okay, this is, like, one fall to a finish because right. you're breaking up pins. So I'm assuming this is like a triple threat, like what we would know as yeah. a triple threat. That's what I gathered. Okay. Which they could have told an interesting story of if Kevin Nash pins Bam Bam, does that count for loss for Goldberg? Mm-hmm. It's just general big boy offense from oh, all yeah. three of them. Goldberg hits a suplex and then a spear on Bigelow, but Nash breaks up the jackhammer before he can hit it. I noted that... Goldberg is good when he's doing his power moves, but when he tries to put in any sort of submissions or technical stuff, it looks real sloppy. Yeah, he's not really a a submission sort of but guy. He's tr- but he's going for him. That's the oh. thing. I actually noted, I think this might be the longest Goldberg match we've watched thus far on the podcast. It might be. Yeah. Because, like, I was no, watching it. I, like, no, the, D- the DDP match went for... Did it? Yeah, I, think, I feel like it went for a little while. We should check that. This, this felt like a lot of Goldberg. Which is saying something because it's like seven minutes. Goldberg then spears Nash and goes for the jackhammer, but Scott Hall runs in and attacks Goldberg, which results in the bell ringing, which because means... Because it's a DQ. Yes. So we'll never actually know the answer to your question of what happens if Bam Bam pins Nash or vice versa. Well, I was more thrown off by the fact that, again, I guess they are figuring out the rules, but there's no DQ in a triple threat match. But it's not a triple threat match, it's a triangle match. So there is a difference... Question mark. Yeah. Hall and Bigelow brawl on the outside while Nash and Goldberg brawl in the ring. And the broadcast runs out of time. That, that, I thought this sucked too. I thought the, the match itself was fine, but the ending just... Yeah. I, I, I want a result. I just want some sort of result. I assumed it was a DQ because of outside interference. You would... That's a very logical assumption. <laughs> I don't know if you're right. I hate that I can be logical and be wrong with WCW. I hate it. 
We have a rare occurrence. We're going to peek into Thunder. Well, okay, it's not rare for us to peek into Thunder, but it's yeah. rare for us to talk about Thunder. Yeah. Because <laughs> we peek into Thunder every time we do an episode, but then we're like, ah, oh, this is worthless. Yeah. We're not going to We skip watch all this. the way to the end, and they actually recap this um, in the beginning of Nitro. I was like, all right, well. No, I'm still glad we watched this. Yeah. Because Tony Schiavone uh, brings in David Flair and Reed Flair to interview them. And I think like before he even has a word out, Bischoff starts walking down to the ring. Mm-hmm. And like no one acknowledges him. Even once he's like in the ring. Like Tony just keeps talking. And it's like, he's, he's right there. But while we need to be careful about this, state of Reed's bowl, bowl cut. <laughs> Who did that to that poor boy? Beth Flair, I I blame you. Look what you did to your son's hair. No child deserves to look like that. So Bischoff apologizes to Rick's family. He notes that David wants to be a wrestler. It says he has some pretty big shoes to fill. A pretty sizable We Want Flair chant starts. Yeah. And I'm like, not on Thunder. <laughs> but then Bischoff is like, I know, I want Flair too. I'm with you. Get better, Flair. I'm like, shut up. So in his apologies, he's like, well, I guess I'm about to apologize for uh, kicking your ass. And then he hits David Flair. And then Barry Windham and Brian Adams come down and help. And Brian Adams is holding Reed. And I wanted, I don't know what would have been safe for a kid, but I kind of yeah. wanted, I kind of wanted Reed to take some sort of bump. I know. It did look like Reed was waiting for a cue that just kind of never came. Because as soon as Bischoff hits David, you can see Reed kind of like stutter stepping toward Bischoff and eventually he like lunges for it and just like wraps himself around his leg so obviously somebody was like okay when he hits your brother grab his leg to try to stop him and he just didn't get that cue <laughs> so Bischoff then forcibly ki- kisses Flair's wife oh that was really uncomfortable because it was very forced very yeah. forcible that was uncomfortable yeah didn't like that let's just move on from that Ugh. to the uh December 21st, Nitro, from St. Louis, Missouri. Mary Crimble. Uh, it actually starts with, I had another recap, I think especially for you, for, like, the rise of Eric Bischoff. Yeah, that was nice to see. I mean, I guess nice is not the way to say it, but it was interesting. When I went to commentary, did you like the festive commentary booth? I mean, yes, tis the season. <laughs> and tis the season for Ernest Miller to come out. The cat. This is where I noticed that no one really gets a reaction until they come on the stage. Which is strange. That's why I think literally nobody knows whose music is whose. That makes sense. I think they don't know until until they come out. Until like the Jumbotron focuses in on their face and like, oh, right, it's Ernest. Gotcha. Plus, it doesn't help that there's enough factions to where if a song plays, all right, which guy is it going to be? Yeah, they play the NWO theme. It could be... Hulk Hogan, or it could be the Giant, or Scott yeah. Hall, like Steiner, could be Steiner, Buff, Vincent. It could be Horace Hogan, mm-hmm. and then everybody'd be really disappointed. So Miller kind of just heals from the crowd. No real goal in mind. It doesn't seem. Yeah, he's just sort of talking. So I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about the heels kind of taunting the crowd, trying to get them to fight them in the ring? Like, calling out fat boy in the front row and, like, come fight me. It's just kind of gross. Because, like, he knows that they can't actually come into the ring. Like, if they come, if they even, like, make a move toward the ring, they will get tackled. Like, it's, it's, like, really cheap heel heat. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
I wanted to get a, a never, you know, it only comes up so often. I was curious to what your general thought yeah, was. Yeah, and the people who do that are not, like, high on the card. They're, like, low-level heels. So it just feels really cheap. It's like they are trying everything they can to get the audience not to not like them. So mid-promo, Santa is suddenly, like, halfway down in the aisle. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. We, you, you missed the vacuum. <laughs> And he's tossing candy out to the fans. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of weird. I don't really think about Santa tossing out candy. I used to get little mini candy canes from Santa when I go take pictures with him in the mall. But that's as much candy as I've ever gotten from Santa. So the cat asks Santa what he has for him. And Santa just whips a piece of candy at him. He <laughs> misses him, but he's like, oh man, that was a good throw. Couldn't tell what it was. I didn't know he was throwing candy at first, so I just saw him whip something out of the stocking. I was like, dude, throw a rock at him? Did you catch the commentary noted on one of the house shows, Ernest Miller beat up a different Santa? Yes, I did. He has something against Santa Claus. So Santa gets in the ring and counters the cat trying to hit, hit him and then suplexes him. It's Saturn. It's Perry Saturn. Santa's got some moves. He was pretty well disguised. Yeah, he was. I kind of, based on the fact that I knew they're, you know, kind of involved in an angle and they're kind of involved in a match at Starcade, I figured it was him. But yeah, because you called it. I was it, looking and I'm like, that you called like it him. early. Like, yeah. you're like, oh, it's Perry Saturn. I was like, I don't think so. Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 it's Perry Saturn. It's definitely Perry Saturn. It took me until he took the wig off and the jacket off. I was like, oh, yes, it is Perry Saturn. I think it took the crowd a little bit longer, Because <laughs> he's not got, like, the most discernible face. No. And he doesn't have a lot of matches, so he's not, like, seen a lot. Yeah. But there is your main Christmas reference for the... That's uh, it. Episode, yeah. This is the Christmas episode, and that is it. Well, it's also the go-home episode for, for Starcade. Starcade, yeah. <laughs> Which, someone should tell them that, because certain angles, they don't treat it like that. Nope. We gotta that's kept... what I was saying this morning. Well, that's what I was saying, like, when we first started this. I was like, I forgot that this was a build to Starcade until you said something. Because, like, it's just not obvious. Like, the go-homes for WrestleMania, or any of their pay-per-views, is, like, all about the pay-per-view. This, they haven't meant. they've barely mentioned it in the last two episodes. Three episodes, if you count Thunder. We didn't really watch a lot of Thunder, but. So next up, we get a Kevin Nash promo. Yay. Comes out and just kind of panders to the crowd a little bit. Gives a shout out to uh, to Bill Goldberg. And there's a pretty decent sized boo. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, interesting. Notice that Goldberg is 173 and 0. Which I, that number just keeps climbing. I think they've held tight on that for a while. I thought so. I don't know. I, they don't mention it all that often, so every time I hear it, I just assume that it's higher. He also says, I was world champion once. And he says he had 197 title defenses and dis- didn't lose one of them. That can't be true. I was trying to think about this, and talking through it might help us figure out if it was. He was champion for, a, I think, literally right about a year. I think he was like one day short of a year. And he had 197 defenses in a year? House shows. It's, but he's not going to lose it at a house show. Well, yeah, but the defense still counts. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm like, I didn't lose any of them. Like, I know you didn't lose the belt, but you tell me you didn't lose by DQ in any of them? Does he count that? I mean, I don't know. I also, I was trying to figure out, I'm like, how realistic is 197? Yeah. 
It feels like too many, but it could be. It could I don't be. know. Yeah. It could be. It also doesn't help that that was the worst period of business like WWE has ever done, barring the fact that they just hit a, a record low on, on rating for Raw. Oh, really? But that was around the worst business they did, so I imagine they kind of trimmed some of the house shows. So I'm just like, I don't think this oh, number wait. is more and more. Yeah. Are you saying that they just hit a record low in this timeline or current timeline? Current timeline. Yeah, that's what I was afraid you were talking about. Yeah. They also had record lows in 95 when Nash was champion. So Nash says he's done everything Goldberg has done except beat Goldberg, which Goldberg hasn't done that either. Well. Goldberg hasn't. Well, okay. Let's not. <laughs> Maybe in private. To be the man, you got to beat the man. Yeah. Nash does steal Flair's line here. He acknowledges he's stealing it, but uh, we'll try to move on from your crude humor. From my crude humor? Is that not what you were saying with to beat the man? You just brought up the Goldberg beat himself at some point. It could happen. That was your crude humor. You said in private. We all know what that means. Get your head out of your toilet. <laughs> get your head out of the toilet. I don't think get your head out of your toilet's the way that, that's phrased. Get phrasal. your mind out of the gutter. Get your head out of the toilet. Whatever. Same idea. Anyway, he says he's going to kick Goldberg's ass, and that's the end of it. Woo. Yeah. There, I'm like struggling to think of any time somebody came out to cut a promo and then someone else came out to also cut a promo. It's happened with Mean Gene. Well, okay. That one episode where Mean Gene was all over it. I like, With Bret Hart and ADP, I'm just saying you come out to cut a promo and then someone else comes out. Although with Kevin Nash and Goldberg, if that happened, security would stop Goldberg before he even fucking left his dressing room. Like, oh my God. Yeah. So next up, we have Eric Bischoff coming out. Uh, I noted probably to cut a self-indulgent promo, and I was right. Shocking. He he laughs mid-fake apology, like he can't even get it out. Yeah, and I don't know. He's one of those people that I'm just like tired of hearing talk about Ric Flair. Like I know I'm excited for his match, but like he's not saying anything fun when it's just him. Yeah, I want the it, two it, of them together. The build's been going for so long that like, yeah, it's like okay, we're there's, good. There's not much new you can say. No. Uh, the horsemen arrive outside, likely to, to, to murder Bischoff. Oh, yeah. They, like, march in the front door. They don't even come towards the back. Yeah. They like, come in the front of the arena. They find Horace Hogan, beat him down, and Bischoff's just talking. I'm like, I guess he can't see any of the monitors. Mm. To which I wondered if the crowd could see any monitors. And because there's, there's not, like, not like there's a jumbotron on the stage. No, it's just like a basketball arena where it's, like, above the middle. There's a couple around the, the, the bowl as well. Oh, okay. I saw one or two kind of in the arena once they were showing some shots, okay. but yeah, nothing majorly on the stage. And they're not like, t- t- you know, terribly large. So you got to really be. No, you really got to be squinting. Yeah. Or you really need to like know to look. That's what I'm saying. So Flair finally appears in the ramp and chases Bischoff, who then runs out of the arena. Yeah. He like books it. Like you would never think this man just had a heart attack a week ago. Well, yeah, I don't believe it. He didn't. Because they also don't mention it. Flair comes back, grabs a mic, and he says that Bischoff will die tonight if Rick gets his hands on him. Very violent. And then that's it for this one, but he comes back out later. Yes. So we'll have to wait for that. In the meantime, we have what is a fantastic match. Yes. Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio Jr. This is the first time we've seen them fight each other? Yeah. It was really good. They have really good chemistry off each other. They do. I was, I was worried there was going to be 
a, a real non-ending. I was glad there wasn't. Yeah. But Eddie shoves the camera out of his face on the way to the ring. Yeah. He's, like, he's a real good heel. He really is. I think we're, like, this is going to be like 10 minutes of us just gushing about these guys and this match. <laughs> so, Ray makes his entrance to the LWO theme, but it's it's Eddie's one. Like, they don't yeah, even they bother don't resetting. Song, yeah. Just like, he just comes out, and then he tosses the LWO shirt over the camera, which is still that 6XL shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so cozy. Eddie says he's going to teach Ray a lesson, and that he will, will not be 100% at the pay-per-view. Which is where the commentators note, at the pay-per-view, it'll be a triple threat match or three-way dance. I don't know. Three people in the ring. It's going to be Kidman versus Hoovy versus Ray. I honestly thought that it was going to be a tag team match. I think they want to have the title on the line. Because yeah, I really thought it was going to be um, Ray and Kidman versus Hoovy and Eddie. Well, we may get that at some point. I hope so. Not a lot of tag team matches with the Cruiserweights, I've noticed. Yeah, which is a shame because they'd be fun. Anyway, before we get into the actual like match itself, do you know what um, Rey Mysterio's pants are? Does he have like a themed costume or is this just a plain old costume? I think this is just one of his regular things. Okay. Because the pants reminded me of something very specific. You know Pokemon? I'm aware of it, yeah. <laughs> you know Togepi? This is pre-Togepi. But are you telling me that those pants are not Togepi? Now that, you, now that you say it a little bit, but this is pre-Togepi. <laughs> They're like white with the red and blue kind of markings. Oh god, is this even pre-Pokemon? This is 98. There's definitely Pokemon at this point. Definitely not Togepi. Togepi comes later. But this is these are Togepi pants. Okay, Pokemon was released in the US in September of 98. So, so it's, there's just it's barely out. Pokemon. <laughs> there's still only 150 Pokemon. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, I, I don't really feel like looking into the anime um, timeline because I know Togepi happens before Gold and Silver come out. Mm. However. But his pants look like Togepi's shell. <laughs> Let's just start playing what Pokemon is Rey Mysterio this week. <laughs> so Ray drop kicks Eddie out of the ring and fakes a dive. Eddie grabs Ray's tights and just tosses him like face first from mm. the apron into the guardrail. It looks sore. Oof. Like, Eddie, Eddie looks effectively violent. Yeah, and I did note that, like, Eddie's violence plus Ray's sort of flippy, like, squirm out of situations makes this a really good match. Like, they dance off of each other well. Eddie beats Ray down and hits a gory special, which he then turns into, like, a spinning neckbreaker. Like, he spins him around a bunch, too. Yeah. He also puts Ray in, like, a cloverleaf, but also grabs Ray's arm for, like, a different type of move. Yeah, I did see that. I wasn't sure like that has a name or I in it's just a it's modified just... cloverleaf. Okay. Or um, it looked like it was more stretchy. I know at some point it would be they give him the lasso from El Paso. Ray hits a, a sloppy suplex to Eddie from the apron to the outside, <laughs> which is where Eddie's bodyguard kind of distracts Ray for Eddie to get back on the. Yeah, so there wasn't LWO interference at this point, but there wasn't not LWO Yeah, somebody came out with Eddie, but I also like, like even the commentator was just like, oh, it's a bodyguard. Like, I'm sure it's one it's of the It's a person. Wrestlers. It's a wrestler. And he manages to turn things around, hits a top rope Frankensteiner, and then puts Ray in the camel clutch and starts like ripping at Ray's mask. Mm. And he yeah, he like almost unmasks him. He makes him. a sizable rip. Yeah. Ray manages to turn things around with the head scissors, and which tosses Eddie under the bottom rope. Eddie slides into the ring and like... Kind of like chop blocks Ray like mid slide. Mm. He 
then works over the leg to big Eddie sucks chance. Eddie sucks. He slaps on an STF as they go into the break. We come back, Eddie is Ray in a reverse gory special, which Ray kind of rolls into a pin, then countered by Eddie. A lot of back and forth in this. Yeah, which is good. Like, yeah. I like that. It's not just, like, corner offense, you know? Eddie hit a suplex that they called a brain buster, and the the difference between them is very negligible sometimes, and I'm like, sure it is. <laughs> sure, bud. Oh, this is when Eddie goes up top for, like, a diving move, and Ray moves out of the way, and Eddie just rolls through. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a nice, like... Counter so, to like, a counter. Smooth. <laughs> so clean. Very clean, man. Eddie then ties Ray up in a tree of woe when he, sl- he goes to slide <laughs> into the post. I just love the name tree of woe. <laughs> he goes to slide into the post. Ray moves and Eddie lands crotch first into the post. Ugh. Ray then dives to the outside onto Eddie and his bodyguard. And when Ray goes for a springboard dropkick back in the ring, Eddie moves. Ray starts to come back and hits a famous her, followed by a diving Hurricane Rana. He then hits a springboard molly go round for back, lack of a better term. <laughs> I don't think it's a molly go round. That is Molly Molly Holly's finisher. Yeah, but it's not a molly go round. That's what she calls it, the molly go round. He's not. He's not doing a molly go round. We call, he's just doing. We a, said he hit a fucking. I know, uh, but saying that Ray is doing a molly go round just feels wrong. <laughs> Eddie ends up uh, hitting Ray with a flapjack after that, followed by a. Dirty fucking power bomb. Oh, oh I love yeah. it. I love me a fucking painful looking power bomb. Ugh. I need to show you my Gossam versus Masato Tanaka. Uh, if it's just dirty power bombs, oh, I don't it know. Is. <laughs> it's the dirtiest. Power. It's ECW, so it's Ugh. like dirty power bombs onto a dirty floor. Ugh. Eddie reverses an Irish whip and tosses Ray into the ref. The bodyguard then holds up Ray and to. Uh, Borrow a phrase. It's the one thing they didn't want to happen. As Eddie goes for a drop kick and Ray moves, which results in Eddie hitting his bodyguard. Dun dun dun! Ray then hits a springboard face buster, which was nice. Which I guess summon, summons Kidman. He saw a face buster. Was done. <laughs> so, did I smell a face buster? Kidman then runs down and Ray holds up Eddie, but then it's the one thing they didn't want to happen. Oh no! As Kidman hits Ray as opposed to Eddie. And Eddie pins him. And that's it. There's weird no reaction for the pin. I didn't even notice that, but yeah, you're right. I thought there was some great back and forth, but yeah, that finish was a little lame. Because it wasn't like Kidman hit some sort of big move on him. It was just like a forearm. Yeah, it was, but I guess it was like with enough velocity that he like launched back. I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was kind of lame. I thought that I thought the ending was fine. Like, I liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah, I mean, I, it's not enough to, you know hamper my enjoyment of the rest of the match mm-hmm. but i think because of it i can't be like you need to go find this match oh i thought it was really good i, st- I think i would still recommend it but if you want lame Ugh. our next segment has it is we have scott steiner coming out this oh. is just a sad excuse for a segment he talks about uh how missouri is the show me state is it is that like what it's called he says his body isn't for show it can go Scott Steiner's body's not for show. He comes out and does nothing but talk about how beautiful his muscles are every week. Shut up. Steiner then calls for Mark McGuire to come out, to which I wrote, oh, shit, that's a big get. And the audience, as soon as they heard that name, they're like, oh, shit, that's awesome. I think it's because there's a story of, and it may actually be this trip, 
Goldberg like met Mark McGuire and they did you know did something and there was like no WCW press mm-hmm. there and they didn't advertise it at all and so I was like okay I guess he, you know I've heard he, he kind of likes wrestling so yeah. maybe it will be him and I'm like oh they fucking got me because it, it's it's uh, a bicycle. Being... Isn't it a tricycle? Is it a tricycle? I think it's a tricycle because there's a basket on the back. I was so mad at, at the fucking bullshit swerve that I did There was a tricycle coming down the ramp. Being, standing... be, being driven by the NWO ref. Yes. And standing in the basket in the back was what? your boy. Buff Bagwell dressed as Mark McGuire. <sighs> so lame. They do what might be the longest your local sports team sucks promo ever. Yes. They did make mention of something that I assume was completely lost on you. I, yeah, probably. The drug thing. they Because uh, they have Buff pop like pop a pill while he is being uh, Mark McGuire. Does he do like enhancing drugs too? So, a little bit. It's a little more niche than that because this is like specifically about an incident in 1998. Oh. Because he, McGuire admitted to taking Andrastine... Dying? They call it Andrasine in the uh, in in the segment. Oh. It's an over-the-counter muscle enhancement product that had already been banned by the World Doping Agency, the NFL, and like an Olympic committee. However, it was not prohibited in baseball, so he was allowed, technically allowed to do so it. So it wasn't illegal in baseball, at least. Huh. And it wasn't federally classified as an anabolic steroid in the U.S. until 2004. So it is a weird little bit of a, did you kind of, you know, you didn't, yeah, weird level of it. I'm not for me to say, but them making the joke of it, just like lazy. Yeah. You know what the issue with this segment is? There's nothing clever about it. No, there's not. There is something hilarious about it though. Oh my God. The ending was just so sad. So Scott asked for Mark. In, quote unquote in Mark. all the quotes in the world hey can i have your jersey because i know that's the one you hit home run number 70 in to which then mark says yeah i hit all he basically says i hit all my home runs in this one which that's one blatantly not true <laughs> just because they wear different you know there's like a home uniform and oh. away uniform i don't even know if the uh Uniform they picked out was the one he, they they wore when he hit. They 70. didn't do that much research, but even when they're doing the whole like, "Hey, can I have your shirt?" thing, the NWO ref has a trash can just at the ready. Oh yeah, that just emerges. I'm yeah, like, I'm like, oh, you're doing, you're gonna definitely throw it in the trash can. Yeah, obviously. He's, he's like, I want to put it in the uh, in the NWO like Wall of Fame. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, I was right. St. Louis fans are stupid, and you're stupid, and uh, and then he goes to set the jersey on fire. And this is where I know he really did take over for uh, Hulk Hogan. As much like Hulk Hogan couldn't light the uh, the fireball at Halloween Havoc. Oh, but he couldn't get the lighter to light. Scott cannot get the lighter to set fire to this jersey. Oh. He finally gets the hat. He gets the hat. Which I found interesting that he lights the hat on fire and he puts that in the trash can. He doesn't put the jersey in the trash can while it's on fire. Yeah, why don't you use the hat as the starter and use and like light the shirt on fire with the hat? I just want to verbalize the fact that this is the go-home Nitro for Starcade. Yeah, and we're doing your local sports team sucks. Tyler doesn't have a match either. Yeah. No. I, I, uh, I don't know why this needed to happen. It didn't, but it did. 
Like, at least the... It, it happened. It, we at were least there. the Texas one from two nitros ago led to, you know, him talking about Scott Hall. And it wasn't the go home. This had no purpose. No, other than to piss off St. Louis. Which, guess what? Which They're not going to be in St. Louis next week. No, where is Starcade? Uh, DC. Oh, shit. Local, baby. Yeah, so there's not even like a team rivalry or something that you can be like, eh, St. Louis sucks. We're going to Washington. Like, there's no rivalry. Yeah. What, why would you do well, even this? then, you don't want to get cheered in Washington for making fun of St. Louis. Well, like, you couldn't even play that angle. Like, that angle wasn't even there. There was just absolute zero reason. Yeah. If there's one thing I, I can take solace in with this podcast is I will get almost every Your Local Sports Team promo. None of them should be that lost on me. So okay. I will be able to explain them to you when you don't get them. And I will not. <laughs> I didn't start watching football until I was dating you, and I didn't really watch baseball unless I was going to a game. So so we're in the home stretch now. Ugh. Next up, we have, uh, well, we kind of have Barry Windham versus Van Hammer. We don't have Barry Windham versus Van Hammer. Don't even lie. This match dis- like disintegrates within two minutes. Van takes literally one bump before Flair runs in. Honestly, I feel a little bad for these guys. I don't. They don't even get a match on the go home. Like they they oh. get a slot, but they don't get a match. Like fuck you. Like you, you realize they they get paid per appearance. So Van gets a nice Van gets a nice payday. He takes one bump and it's just like I mean that's great. Flair gets in the ring and he's like I'm gone. Good for Van, but like, <sighs> yeah, Flair just beats up Wyndham all over the ring area, and he low blows him. He just keeps punching him in the dick. <laughs> and then the NWO eventually come out, but they do take their sweet time to do it. Yeah, they do. Also, it's like it's just Vincent first, and then Arn comes out. I think with like a, with like a some sort of I think it's like a crowbar or something. He had something with him. I forget what. He had some sort of weapon. I don't know. And then more of the NWO go to run down, but then the rest of the horsemen. Yeah, the horsemen come out and they try to like stop the NWO, and uh, it's it's a whole clusterfuck in the in the ring. Yeah, they end up brawling backstage, and security breaks it up back there, and they're arresting people for some reason. Yeah, everyone gets put into handcuffs. Just the horsemen. Fucking what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they started arresting people. Uh, although, while Dean and Benoit are getting arrested backstage... Oh, they also maced Benoit. Did you see that? Oh, no. They, like, pepper sprayed oh, him. Oh, I missed that. While he was rubbing his eyes of the pepper spray, they're like, this is when we're going to handcuff him. Like, brutal. Jesus. Like, I don't feel bad for Chris Benoit. But... <laughs> so, yeah, while they're getting pepper sprayed and arrested, Flair's just back in the ring with a mic. Okay, he and Arn are just hanging out. Because I think he, even the commentator's like, where's Rick? It's like, oh, he's here. He's just hanging out in the ring with Arn Anderson. Which is one of the downsides about wh- where they have the commentary booth is that they literally can't see things happening in the ring. True. They have to turn around to do that. That's just stupid. Production is stupid. Guys, do better. This is why your company died. So Flair starts to cut a promo and gets emotional talking about his family. Yeah, he was saying that like Reed came to him and was like, you need to beat the hell out of Bischoff. Yeah, because this is where Rick starts touching on the fact that like Bischoff tried to like shoot get him to stop wrestling and like fuck up his life like i I think i've told you the line of like i'm gonna make him homeless yes which is just why why is that your goal he does mention bischoff kissing his wife (laughs) 
proper outrage for that, I would say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, how can you not mention that? Like, it was... Well, I would say, how, how can you not mention the heart attack? But he also still manages to he not mention not it. not mention the heart attack. He says that Bischoff crossed the line, and then Bischoff comes out taunting Flair on the microphone. And then when Flair goes to rush him, security then swarms Flair and, like, goes to arrest him. But Flair's like, oh, my wrist. Ah. And it's like... Because oh, he put it in like a handcuff. He's like, oh, my wrist, help me, my wrist. Oh, I didn't even see I didn't, Yeah, he had a handcuff. Yeah, I missed just the mass of bodies. I missed the handcuff. Fair. And Bishop, he's being like, oh, he's in, he's a bad heart. He's in bad health. Someone, be a doctor. Uh. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Just messy. So messy. And this started with an actual match. I feel like this this was entirely unnecessary. Unless you guess you needed to get people arrested. So they just can't. Write them so, off. Well, so they can't factor into Starcade at all I guess so are the horsemen are like Benoit and uh, Malenko know. not in Starcade I don't think they have a match so yeah yeah it's a weird card but unless you need to do that I feel like you could have left it with the with the segment earlier definitely maybe change the end line you know you'll die if I see you tonight to just you know him being fired up like I'll yeah. see you Sunday so is there not like any kind of battle royal at Starcade? No. Okay. I'm just thinking of any reason why the horsemen would need to be there. It's Port Rick. Well. But that can be part of the story. Like all my men were arrested. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see if that actually is a thing or if they're all just free by Starcade. Yeah. Main event. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. So we get to the main event. We have Scott Hall versus Goldberg. I did not check the timing on this. Another dive. Although I did note, where's Kevin Nash being all pissed off about this match happening? Oh, true. Yeah, he's like, I, I, he can't wrestle Bam Bam. He's fine with him wrestling Scott Hall. I didn't even think about that. Michael Buffer and commentary refer to Scott Hall as the lone wolf of WCW. Oh, because he once again comes down to no music. Yeah. I really hate that. There was a very good shot of uh, Goldberg in his pyro. Mm, on this one yeah sometimes they get a little too close and it's just like cool the screen's white i can't see anything like this they pulled back far enough and i guess went a little lighter where you can just see it like yeah that was a good one this was a good pyro see it engulfing him so they did mention when scott hall was coming out that he's six foot six how do you feel that you're only two inches shorter than scott hall how does it feel you're shorter than someone (laughs) i'm also shorter than kevin nash but kevin nash is a giant I'm a giant. Yes, but you're shorter than both of those men. I'm also shorter than the giant. Yes. He is a giant. <laughs> so I was actually, I know you probably weren't, but I was actually kind of looking forward to this match. Can't say I was. I thought, like, listen, Scott Hall's a fine worker. This this might end up being a little bit of fun. Yeah. It did look like he was real over everything when he was coming down the ramp. Like, Scott Hall. Because, like, the pl- music wasn't playing, but he wanted to, like, hit his same notes. So he did the, like, you know, the the creeper walk, and he did the point. But it was, like, very, like, yeah, whatever. I gotta hit the point. It wasn't drunk this time. It was, like, I am i don't want to do this. He's meant to be kind of a cool guy kind of thing, so. It didn't come off as cool. But it came off as, like, these are my these are my points I have to yeah. hit. He also just is damaged as a character at this point. I th- oh, but yeah. I thought this still felt like a, a kind of a big deal, though. That he was fighting Goldberg? Yeah, Goldberg versus Scott Hall. I didn't think it was a big deal, but yeah. So Nash comes down almost immediately because of course. Yes. Oh, and I did clock 
that there are just over three minutes left in the show when Michael Buffer is still talking. Okay. Uh, when Nash comes down to the ring, he does stay at ringside, though. Mm-hmm. So Goldberg power slams Hall and taunts Nash, which allows Hall to gain the advantage, which Nash follows up with your, uh, what do you call it, spirit fingers? I'm sorry, voodoo fingers. The voodoo fingers. Just that, like, ooh, I'm so scared. Spooky. It's like, this dude's 173, and I'll give him, like, a yeah. fucking... <laughs> But I I noticed that there seemed to be a lot of just, like, standing around for a match that had, like, 90 seconds left in it. They were just kind of, like, standing in the ring. Did you notice the massively piped-in Goldberg chant? Oh, I didn't notice it was piped in. Oh, my God. It's so fake. No. It's real bad. Nothing's happening and just, they crank that shit to 11. Just pretending like something's happening. Hall hits a fallaway slam, but Goldberg no-sells and spears him. Nash then pulls Hall out of the ring, and Bam Bam Bigelow is, like, suddenly in the ring attacking Goldberg. Surprise, Bam Bam. Show goes off the air with, like, Goldberg Irish whipping Bam Bam into the ropes. We never see an end to these matches. To which I just wrote, fuck off. (laughs) I, like... You watch you watch that one separately. I watched it at the end of watching all that, and I just got... Oh, yeah, you came into the bedroom so so angry. Just give me a fucking... It's the go-home for Give me an ending. I just want... Give me a bad ending. Just give me some sort of nope. fucking ending. Fuck you. No. I didn't even... I didn't love Bret Hart beating DDP for the title. But you there know what? There was an ending. Fuck you. No. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that that was a worse, worse build than... Yeah, it was definitely a worse build. Which is unfortunate because it's a bigger show yeah, than was, World War Three. I was saying worse, worse build than the first half. Oh, I just think worst build overall. Yeah. Are you are you excited to actually see any of the matches? Um, like I said, I am excited to see Bischoff and Flair. I think that'll be a fun match, and we can play our like countdown to bleeding. Yes. Um, I'm excited to see the three people in a ring match with the uh, LWO and yes. Kidman. I don't know what to call it. Triangle. Or, it's, yeah. it's three people in a ring. We'll, That's see, we'll see what they announce it as. Um. Is any uh let's let's, let's go with your uh your predictions. Okay. See how Emily see how Emily does. Alright, so who do you got in that in that triple threat match? Um I'm gonna go with Ray. Alright. I think that Kidman's gonna throw it to Ray. You know, think he's gonna intentionally throw it? Well, I think that like Kidman's going to let Ray get the pin. Interesting. Flair versus Bischoff? Flair. DDP versus the Giant? say the giant and then finally the main event kevin nash versus goldberg goldberg obviously right. <laughs> goldberg oh there's also a bunch of other matches that we'll have to see what the yeah. hell they are oh sorry how could i miss uh, prince iakea versus norman smiley oh i have no fucking idea i'm gonna go with norman why not yeah there'll be be a couple other ones i know uh funly will be on there funly but uh, thank you for listening to this uh, special Christmas episode. I know, it was so festive. It was so festive. Don't you just feel the Christmas spirit radiating through us? Ah, totally. I mean, we have lights up. We have a tree up. Tis the season. Yeah. Um, hopefully Perry Saturn doesn't come busy on Christmas and oh, suplex God. you. <laughs> I'm not going to put it past you to try to suplex me on Christmas Day. For what purpose? Because. Okay. <laughs> So next up, we have, obviously, Starcade. Yeah, yeah. After that, we have the Build to Sold Out, which we're going to be doing a special episode for the January 4th, 1999 Nitro. And due to that, we're going to end up having to do 
the three weekly nitros in between Starcade and sold out. So that's going to be our first taste into full nitros. So we're going to watch every match of every episode. Yeah. Up until sold out. Yeah, after that, we're going to go back to the build part one, build part two for just a little bit longer. But uh, won't be won't be too much longer until we're fully doing uh, weekly nitros as part of the regular as part of the regular schedule. I don't know if I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> it'll be it'll be a nice little sampler yeah. for uh, this first three. It'll be fun. I have fun doing these podcasts with you, so it'll be a good time. Yeah, I guess I have fun too. Okay, thanks. Thanks for that. I have fun doing it with you. <laughs> I, see, that we talked about this. Like, I don't enjoy watching the content but i have a lot of fun like sitting down and chatting about well, it like some of the con- like ray ray versus eddie were like yes, yes but then like every show leaves you feeling a little bit annoyed and pissed off a because, little cheated because none of them end on a proper note no. so oh with that and on the plus side um i don't believe there were any issues with the broadcast at starcade in terms of going off the air early so oh thank god they're safe uh until next time you can follow us on twitter at butts in the pod Emily is still operating that after considering uh, these episodes came out like two <laughs> days apart. And we're still doing that. Yeah. She seems to be following anybody who likes a tweet of ours. I just want to build this up. And I don't know. I'm following other people that have wrestling podcasts. I'm following anybody that was talking about it. We were talking about um, the WWE TLC match. We talked about like the first like, two matches and then we got tired. I started retweeting stuff. Okay. But there's content over there. Every once in a while I just sort of voice opinions i got mad about five of the last ten yeah. money the bank winners being failures twitter's a good time follow us at butts in the pod yeah and tell your friends to follow us and also tell your friends to follow us on spotify subscribe whatever it is i don't know if it's follow or subscribe on there but follow. uh that's, that's still where all the episodes are going we now have six once this episode's out yes this will be episode six we need to do something special for episode 10 I think that that's just going to be the uh, the third nitro. And we got to take like a celebratory shot or something. Okay. I, mean, yeah. I, I think like, like No, no, no. Not like, a special we, show, but like, do, like a bonus. Like, no. We had 10 episodes. Do a bonus episode. No, something special in the show. I don't know if this will be the last one of the year. It's very possible. Might take a little uh, Christmas break for ourselves. Yeah. Kind of give ourselves some time to decompress and go into 2021 forgetting that 2020 ever happened won't be too long though no so until we see you at starcade i'm nick and i'm emily thanks for listening to the butts and seats podcast